I think we we help people on a more personal level. I I like to think that maybe people feel like they're cared about. It's a very good feeling to go and give something and do something for somebody else. And some people don't realize that unless they do it. It's also very humbling, acknowledging that the people on the streets are people. Welcome to the Problematic Podcast. A show that gives you the chance to be the hero in helping solve some of the world's largest problems. Find out which teams need your skills today at problematic.app. And now here's your host, Sean Tierney. All right. Hey, everybody. This is Sean Tierney. I am your host and welcome to the Problematic Podcast. I'm here today joined by Julia Fossey. Julia is co-founder of the Asociación Esperanza in Barcelona, Spain, and Esperanza is a grassroots effort consisting of over 300 volunteers, uh, 5,000 people in their Facebook group. They are in their eighth year of existence. They go out twice each week on the weekends to feed the homeless of Barcelona, and they've delivered over 85,000 meals to date in their eight years of existence, and they have an impeccable track record having never once missed a walk. Julia is also an actress. She performs children's theater in schools and is also currently in an Amazon Prime series. So we'll hear a little bit about that at the end of it. Uh, And I had the pleasure to work with Julia via an event that we did charity makeover in 2019 when we were in Barcelona. Uh, And so we'll chat a little bit about that as well. But Julia, you are our second guest. I'm excited to have you. Welcome to the show. I'm very excited to be here. Thank you. Cool. All right. Well, so we'll dig right into it. Um, What is the problem that you guys are addressing with this effort? What what are you guys solving for? What is the problem that we encounter? Um, it's just, it's keeping on top of volunteers. The problem with Barcelona, um, the community in Barcelona is, is a very transit community. So people come, people go, people are here for a little while, people have jobs that are not regular. So be, uh, in maintaining the volunteers, is the usually the issue that's, so the, i would say like that's a challenge you have with running the effort but like overall so you're addressing like hunger and homelessness i would say oh, yeah, right? yeah. Or the, kind of the main challenge like the the problems that you're attacking i think in general people are not starving because there are all sorts of places people like soup kitchens and places people can go what we do that is different is we go out onto the streets so we we're a team of five people and all of the food is made by volunteers or or restaurants or groups and we actually go and have a route where we go and find the people where they're about to go to sleep and this contact with people i think is something that's really important because other groups people can go to a soup kitchen if they choose to but the fact that we actually go to the the people sleeping rough then it make i i think there's something really important about that making people feel like they're important yeah it's it's almost like on paper it's hunger and homelessness but you're delivering like compassion you're you're meeting these people where they're at and it's people that are likely not used to getting that type of you know someone caring about them and and coming to their their home you know wherever that is it's a cardboard box i'm sure in most cases but yeah that's really unique 
Yeah, um, no, and and yeah, we are addressing hunger and homelessness. I mean, we we're only we're limited in what we can do in that we can't necessarily help people get off the streets but what we're doing is we're filling a, a little slot of helping the people while they're there and we have helped people get off the streets a bit because people we, people rally around if they find someone that's looking for a job or that's looking for um somewhere to live who doesn't want to be on the street so there's always a bit of a rally round, and people find people bits of work or the, we pay for bus tickets for people to get back to um Andalusia and we've paid for a, a flight for a guy to go back to Bulgaria and things like that so yeah we, we do what we can within a, a, a limited capacity. What is the scope of the homelessness problem in Barcelona? Are we talking like hundreds or thousands or like how, how prevalent is it there? The thousands there are thousands yeah and uh, places like Barcelona places with reasonable weather and by the sea tend to be places that people head to for if they're homeless and also places with tourist um, population because it's good for uh, begging. So there is a large population of homeless and it gets bigger and, and every um, war, every catastrophe, every disaster in other parts of the world in, uh, means that more people are left with no resources so there is always a continuing flow generally speaking the people that we feed are, are people that we fed a lot of them are people we fed for the entire time we've been going out so for some people it is a way of life for some people it's very hard for the people to get off the streets and um and so we do have regular people that we fed over a long period too and, and you've been doing this for quite a while now. I think you and your co-founder, Julie, started this eight years ago or eight and a half years ago? Eight and a half. We started it around November. Um, so, yeah, it would be nine years in November. And it was it was Julie's idea, actually. She said, oh, I, I really want to do voluntary work, but I don't speak Catalan well enough to be able to join one of the groups here. Um, perhaps we could do something, you know. There's this group in Liverpool where I'm from that go out and give sandwiches and uh, I think they give, give coffee and sandwiches to the people on the streets perhaps we could do something like that and then when we put a, a feeler out to see if anybody else wanted to help us loads of people wanted to help and there are there are a lot of people that want to help there are less people that want to organize and keep something going and and maintain any um organizational um issues so, but people are happy to volunteer their time. And what's, as I was saying at the beginning, what's difficult about here is people come and people go. So you have to also um, allow for the fact that people might only want to do it once because they're only here for a couple of weeks, or they might do it continuously for a couple of months and then they, they're gone, or they might do it once a month, or they might do it every single time and then they get a job. So there's, so there's this this it's a it's a it's not like in the group in the UK that Julie um, took us from have people that volunteer every Monday or every Tuesday and they go out once a week and do it but they have a more structured life and they have less transience in the people that they use. Yeah, I mean it, it's an impressive thing that you've built. You, there's like five thousand people in your Facebook group like over the course of the many years that you've been running it. 
um, like probably 300 people, I think you said, consistent, you know, who are, who are there currently. Um, that is, how, how did you amass that type of volunteer engagement? That's no trivial thing. It wasn't difficult. Uh, people pass it on. Uh, people, especially um, people who are not from here, especially the expat community, people want to help and they find us because they find that it isn't an issue that they don't speak Spanish or Catalan very well. Most people speak it a little bit, but um, because of that, people look for something and they find us. And there isn't really anybody else who does it, who is part of the, the foreign expat community. I mean, there are all sorts of little tiny voluntary groups for other things now. But when we started, there was nothing. There was nobody doing anything. And it really snowballed. It wasn't a difficult. It wasn't difficult to find people to join. Our problem is maintaining what we've started now, because people join and do it, and it's great. But because of the way we've we've always used Facebook as the main uh, source of organisation, and because of the way the algorithms work. If people don't look at it for a couple of weeks, if they go away or they do something else and don't look at it, then the, the messages stop going to them. So people kind of forget. And then people sort of confront me and say, oh, why didn't you tell me? But I can't just think, oh, that person who I haven't seen for three months hasn't done Esperanza for a, a while. Maybe I should ask them again personally. So it, I think people sort of assume that, that if they if they're needed that somebody will just go hey but it doesn't work like that so that's our issue at the minute just trying to get back to people i think if we could get to people or people were uh, what we do is was more visible people would come back and join us more yeah well i, I think that's a good segue so when, when we met you i think it was 2019 when we were in barcelona and i, I can't remember exactly how we got connected to you but we came, we saw your operation, we loved what you were doing. And the challenge at that time was the same as it is now in terms of coordinating, it sounds like. like you guys have been running this out of a Google Sheet, which yeah. is amazing that you made it work as well as you have using without you know having some kind of custom tailored built tool for organizing. Yeah, I know, we're still doing it. We're still on and off using the Google. You came to us via Katrina. Uh, Katrina was one of your, uh, did your your weekend and I, she knows me and had, had um, connections with Esperanza. And I think because you guys were looking for local charities, that's how we got involved with you. And yeah, um, yeah that was it. Yeah, and, and so just for the people listening, what we did to, for this challenge was we built a, a custom application. We actually, you know, took we saw what they were doing, organizing through the Google Sheet, and we decided, hey, we can make a, a, a little app that will streamline this. The idea being that you know this very problem with the algorithm and people not getting notified and you kind of fall off the map. That this, uh, in an ideal world, if we make this right, then people sign up, they get notifications, and it would actually instead of the manual babysitting that occurs now to like fill unfilled items and chase people down and try to, you know, there's there's a lot of administrative work on your yeah. part, um, Julia. And I know I see it, I'm still in your Facebook group, so I see what's involved there. Um, the idea was that this, this app could be made and we can put some intelligence in it where it would basically walk the list and people that hadn't been to events in a while, it would proactively contact them yeah. via whatever means they chose, if it was Facebook or if it was a WhatsApp message or an email or however they preferred to be contacted. 
it would basically cycle through and it would kind of do the job of recruiting and managing people. Um, yeah. We we fell a little short. We got uh, we got it partially working, and I think you guys used it for a while. And then uh, unfortunately, there were some bugs in the application that we could never figure out, and so you guys had to result uh, basically revert back to the Google Sheet. Uh, but that was the idea. No, it was brilliant. I mean, it, it, in principle, it was great. And actually, what the, what all of the guys on your course did was grab the the website as well. They set the website up, and that's brilliant. We use that all the time, um, and we refer people to that. That's great. And the app was it was potentially there, but as you say, there were some bugs. And um, the thing with doing something when it's a group that isn't really connected to you or isn't in the place that you live is that then the, the follow-up becomes difficult and we were lucky we I, we connected with you I mean I was lucky I could connect with you and you helped us a lot through a lot of it but it is difficult when something is donated and done for someone and the people aren't actually there to sort of question I mean thank yeah. goodness we had you because we did we did nearly like over half a year using the app and then the bugs started to get a little bit more complicated so yeah and for anyone listening this is why this is a little bit different of a podcast where it's not just a, a passive listen but hopefully there's some active listening and the idea is that if anyone is a developer and you're inspired by this project we still have that application it was written in something called a dalo uh, we're actually looking to port it over it's a no-code tool um, and it just came down, there was something, I believe a race condition that we just couldn't solve. It was some type of bug. And the result of that was that people would sign up for one route and their items would be appearing in another route. And so it just was chaos. It got uh, people mixed. It, it was somehow crossing those two routes and we could never quite figure out what was going on. Even with the, the highest level of support from Adala, we never could iron that out. So I think the, the challenge at this point is if we can port that over to a system like maybe Bubble or one of these other no-code apps and make that work, it's still a very valid idea. And um, and the beauty of this is, Julia, like what you guys have started in Barcelona, um, once this formula works, if, if we can deliver this app and there's other people who want to carry the torch in their other cities, we've already kind of created the infrastructure and you, know, you can make a tutorial for how you do these routes. It's yeah. really beautiful. It, it could spread. It's something that could be picked up and, and proliferated. I mean, that was the idea initially. The idea was it would we could sort of almost franchise it. We could sort of say, okay, we've done these two routes and they work. We can't physically, as our group, do uh, fill any more groups. But if somebody wants to use the same format, then it would it works. I mean, we know we've worked out that basically. You, you don't really want to do more than a couple of hours walking. People don't want to do more than a couple of hours walking. People, in that time, if you plan your route and find where people are, you can usually feed about 50 people in the one, that one route. And you need it to be very um, fluid so that people can do it some weeks and not others. And, and there's a system so that people can sign up so that it is quite fluid. And what they what people want to eat is the most important thing is the soup. If if you can get restaurants to make soup even better or big vats of soup, um, seven, eight liters of soup is generally what we take out and vegetable soup because there are people of different religions. So it makes it easier. And then the other bits, uh, the sandwiches are a bit a bit of bulk and then juices and um, fruit 
and some little cakes we take out. They're, they're cut, those bits are slightly less relevant, but the, the important bit for me is the soup because uh, a cup of soup, even in the summer, people still eat the soup hot sometimes. We, we take gazpacho out as well sometimes, but people still are happy to have a cup of hot soup because it's a substantial and nourishing meal. So yeah. we've sort of honed down what, what we need. Oh, we take boiled eggs as well. They love, people love bo a boiled egg too. Well, and you guys also take um, like toiletries and clothing items and yeah. like com consumables as well. It sounds like yeah. you know, not, not just food, but you also take you know a lot of stuff to help these folks. Yeah, we get people to try. Uh, we ask people to um, gather up um, hotel toiletries and uh, because they're ideal for people on the streets because they're small. So we ask for things like that, and then clothes-wise, you have to be really careful with clothing because people assume that if you're taking uh if you you're asking for uh, donations of clothes they just can clear their wardrobe and give you donations of clothes but it doesn't work like that we're not selling clothes we need clothes that are appropriate for the people on the street and it takes a little bit of getting across that you can't give people your mini skirt and high heel shoes we only want your um, slacks and your your jumpers you know I mean there, there's a there's a little bit of a uh, an issue that if you're not careful with the clothing but what we tend to do clothing wise is we take out basics but we ask people ask us for things so we'll bump into one of the guys on Montjuic and he'll say oh I, my my trainers my my sneakers are, are a bit um, worn can you get me some size 42 sneakers and we put out calls and if people have got good quality that don't look like they've worn them to death shoes, then we take secondhand or we'll take donations and we'll go and buy some from Decathlon, we'll go and buy some new trainers for them. Yeah, no, it's, it's an amazing, uh, like a, a question that I like to ask is if you guys didn't exist, what would, what are the ramifications? Like what, what is the impact of your organization? people still can get food i think i think we we help people on a more personal level i i like to think that maybe people feel like they're cared about and i also think on an on the 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 whole other opposite scale of things people who join the group often we we're, we're on a meetup um site as well and often people come here and they don't know anybody and they want to meet people who are caring people and they meet some of their best friends going out and doing the routes as as volunteers so on on the other side not just it doesn't just just help the people on the streets it helps the people who go out and there I mean there are a couple there are people who have I don't know if they got married but there are certainly a couple of couples that have developed from going out on the on the Esperanza routes and I've made some really really dear friends on the the from doing Esperanza people who I would never have encountered otherwise from really unusual walks of life that wouldn't be the sort of people that I would bump into in a bar or wherever I would meet people so it's yeah. been a it's a real it's a very beautiful thing on on the the volunteer side as well. Well, it almost strikes me as like a, a secular church in a way. Like it's that bit of yeah. that community vibe that you would get by being affiliated with a religious organization. Only there is no religion; it's just the volunteering aspect of it. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Because there are the only other groups that do it are all religious, 
and we we have connections with them because we don't want if they're going out on uh, doing things on certain nights we don't want to clash with them so we do actually know the other groups that are doing things um and, but what's nice about ours is that it is secular and we are we, there is no um it doesn't Agenda. matter yeah. it doesn't matter what religion walk of life um, and I, I one of my best friends from this is a is a muslim guy who i would never have necessarily had so good a relationship with had it not been for this so yeah, yeah. no it is it is and, and i actually think this is what's missing in life now communities and groups that bond together and it's really good especially for young people who spend a lot of time on computerized machinery or whatever to actually bond and join together and and do stuff in person with people. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the the community aspect, I would say also there's a there's a gratitude aspect that comes when you when you can act in service of others and realize how lucky you are. There's also just a benefit. I think just gratefulness goes a long way. It just uh, enriches your life. So I think there's a little it's, bit of that as well. It's a very good feeling to go and give something and do something for somebody else. And some people don't realize that unless they do it. It's also very humbling, acknowledging that the people on the streets are people. Because I remember the first few times I, I went out and, um, and actually started chatting to people. And after that, I was, I, I can't actually now walk by somebody who's begging without saying, I'm really sorry I haven't got any money. Um, if I if I pass back later and I've got something, I'll give you something. I have to I have to acknowledge people and I have to speak to people. I can't just walk by and look the other way, which I, is something I've learned from doing this. Yeah. Cool. Is there anything you've learned when you set out to do this? Is there anything you've learned in the course of doing it that was unintuitive or surprising, or what what did you not expect that you've learned through trial and error over the course of doing this? I don't know whether I had any expectations at the beginning anyway. We just kind of went out and went for it. It, it, it the on a positive side, it was very it was amazing. It's amazing how many people want to help. It's amazing how many people want to help. On a negative side, it's it's I'm surprised how few people want to jump in, jump because I'm a I'm a jump in and do whatever I can kind of person. I'm surprised how few people want to actually help with the core of it, the organizing. People don't want to take any responsibility. And yeah. there are really only a handful of people who take responsibility. And even I'm I'm passing this on now as well. I'm not doing as much because I'm going to be moving out of town. So I need other people to take over where I've jumped in. So I'm trying to step back a bit to make sure that they can jump in. And it, I don't just go, oh, oh I'll just organize it <laughs> like yeah. I've done in the past, which is I, I actually find that quite hard. I'm the opposite. I'm the, I'm the person who wants to go, oh, oh, I feel like I need to do something. I, I, I need to organize this. And, and now I have to step back and, and just do a little bit less. But that they were the two surprising things, surprising how many people want to help and surprising how few people want to be. Oops, sorry, that's my phone. Hold on. Sorry. No worries. Yeah. Um, well, so let, let, let's kind of shift gears and talk about uh, solutions. We talked a, a, quite a bit now about the problem. Um, so what are the things, it sounds like the app, so re like 
rekindling the app and solving those bugs if we could get it ported over and that actually working that that could be a help on the re, you know alleviating the administrative burden and making that all runs more smoothly i think that's the major thing the major mm -hmm. issue is that administration if we can get an app that works and that people have on their phones and that people get messages from when we were originally talking uh, about it um the initial oh, goodness sake sorry the original um the original sort of concept was to make something simple that could have become more and more intuitive and that as an idea for me that is amazing i mean to be able to um send out messages to be able to um realize what's missing and fill those bits in all of those things then it, I, then i also i i think if it becomes a, an app i think it also then becomes a, a community even more because the community is is part of the what's going on 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 you know that everyone's joined via this app yeah Sorry, my yeah, phone. Sure. I've got 16 phones going all at once. <laughs> I don't know who it is, but I can't answer it. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Um, yeah, so so uh, fixing up what we have. So for, for the people listening, if you are you know a developer or have any experience with no code and this stuff strikes you, we're looking for help porting what we did over to uh, something like Bubble. Uh, basically, a dollar we hit a, a wall with it, and we just could not resolve these race conditions, and so these bugs are unsolvable in that platform. Uh, so recreating it, whether we were to do it natively uh, from scratch, like as a native mobile app, um, or more preferably as a no-code app, so we can have both the web as well as the mobile. Um, just porting what we have over would be a huge help. So if you have experience with a dollar uh, and or bubble, preferably, uh, that would be amazing. Um, what else is there? I know like social media, running your blog, that type of thing. Is it uh, useful to, to find I, some help with that? I, I, we, I have tried to set up little groups because obviously on our, because we have so many members on our Facebook page, we do have quite a lot of techie people. It's just that people are, are very um, time strapped, I guess. There's people, people don't have time to do too much. So yeah, always help with the, the setting up the Instagram properly and doing the making the um, meetup work in a more functional way, all of those things. It, it's just what works about our group is that nobody really is in control. Everybody does their little bit and one of us jumps in every now and then. There's, as, as we've said, there's this core of people who do jump in. This makes it very slow to progress. But we have kept going very nicely with that sort of lateral governance. And, but at, at times it would be much easier if somebody sort of was running the project, as it were. But we're not because we're all working and we all have other lives and it's become a voluntary project that runs itself. So any help on structure, any help on technology, any help to make it run more smoothly so we don't have to run it is is amazing yeah and do you guys when when you when your volunteers go out they're buying the food presumably like if it's eggs or soup or whatever are they actually having to come out of pocket or is there a fund to yeah. do that how does that work no it, all of what we've tried to do because to, to in order to 
if you start to take in donations and money, which actually I don't think would be, uh, I think we would get quite a lot if we started to take in donations. But if you start to take in donations and money, then you need to run the NGO um, visibly and put in um, tax returns and, and do follow your books. So you need a proper treasurer to do that. And what we discovered was if you stay under the 3,000 euro limit you don't have to do your your yearly returns they as long as you you sort of stay below the radar so what we've always asked for is donations of food time and clothing and advice and help with technical stuff so it's been things rather than cash I actually think if if we sort of stepped it up, obviously I'm trying to step back a bit because I'm moving away and I'm I want to be connected, but in a less uh, concentrated way. I actually think uh, if we sort of stepped it up a peg and it was a bit more organised, we could take in cash donations. There is so much potential for this group. If five thousand people on the Facebook are happy to do something. I think there is way more potential than than we are fulfilling. We could fulfill much more potential. Cool. Yeah, and I, the the app I definitely think could help reactivate those folks in Facebook. You know, prone to that that algorithm issue where you know Facebook is only notifying like ten percent of the people when a message yeah. blasts out on the newsfeed. That's something that not many people know. It's not like you get every message of every group you're subscribed to. You get like one in ten. So yeah. And then yeah, you've interacted with it. If you happen to see one of the messages and you interact with it, then you get the messages for a, a while. But then if you don't interact with it, which if you go away for a month or you don't, you can't do it because you've got a new job for a few weeks, then you you lose the connection and, and you don't see any of the messages. Yep. Yeah. So lots of opportunities to streamline how, you know, reduce the administrative burden, uh, improve the uh, you know the the reactivation of old volunteers and that communication and let people choose how they're communicated with maybe like again if they want to I get their text messages or emails or however they want to do it. I think we need to move away from Facebook anyway. I, I think Facebook has has served its purpose, but I think it would be even something like Telegram or something that functions in a better way for how the group works. I think there are other ways. It's just that I don't know enough about it for it to, to be my thing to take over. Yep. Cool. All right. Well, so if you're listening, these are the challenges. If it sounds like a, an interesting project that you want to get involved with, uh, we'll post the, the project details on the show notes page for this podcast. Um, Julia, to wrap this up, let's talk about your acting. What Can you tell us a little bit about what you do there? Um, well, on Friday and Saturday this weekend, I'm in a play which is called Made in Ireland, which was is a newly written play. It's never been performed before. It was originally written as a screenplay and then um, rejigged so that it could be put on, to, on stage because to make a, a, a full-length full feature screenplay is way more expensive and way more complicated. And the woman who wrote it really wanted the story to get out there. It's basically about um, the 50s and 60s, uh, young Irish girls leaving Ireland pregnant, secretly pregnant, because half the time they've been raped, and giving birth in baby mother and baby homes in the UK, in London mainly, and having the babies then taken off of them for adoption 
forced adoptions because they were told by the church that they were unfit mothers because they were single mothers and couldn't support these babies. And about the so the, the characters, the main character runs away to have her baby and has her baby taken off her and about that connection that she never loses with this child which is given to somebody else. So the play spans 50 years and we've done it as a rep production. So we we all play several parts. So it's very hectic. We do a lot of coming on and going off as different characters. My characters, my main two characters are a, a, an Irish um, bar owner and a nun. So I'm I'm jumping between an Irish bar owner and a nun, and then I'm a social worker at one point as well. So that's what I'm doing this weekend. And then I'm also in a musical at the end of, um, at the beginning of June, which is also newly written, um, which again is set in the 60s, and I'm playing a nun. <laughs> I'm playing the mother inferior in that. Um, so another typecast, obviously. <laughs> and then I, I do, I, I also run a children's theatre company and I we do um, storytelling type theatre in schools for children as an English learning tool, Very which nice. I actually love. Even in my mid-50s, I still like running around the stage doing the Three Little Pigs and things like that. <laughs> I grew up in Phoenix, Arizona, and they had a children's little theater, it was called, and that was a, a big thing, like going on the weekend, and there'd be 50 people there, and it was put on, and it's just a, it's a, a brilliant little production. Well, you also, though, mentioned you're in a Amazon Prime series as well? I yeah, I filmed it just the year before lockdown. Um, my daughters also are in it. My daughters, it's called Tem La Templanza. Uh, it's set in partly in London, partly in Andalusia, and it's in, set in the 1880s, 90s, and it's about a, it's winemaking oriented. So it's a winemaking family. The woman marries into to a, a London wine merchant, and it's about them um, getting back this uh, vineyard in Andalusia. And I'm the family maid. And my, my daughters are the daughters of the, the London family. So I play the maid of my daughters, which is, I've obviously been doing a lot of method acting for. Cool. All right, well, we'll link that in the show notes so people can check it out. Um, Julia, where do we send people if they want to learn more about the Esperanza, uh, Asociación de Esperanza? Uh, if they want to learn more, they, they can look on the, the very amazing website that you guys made for us and um, there is an email on that which comes through to my email so I will answer that or look on the Facebook page the, the most activity is on the Facebook if you look up Esperanza Barcelona on the Facebook there's a lot of activity on there um, and yeah I mean yeah that's that's the easiest way to get in touch with us and see what we do on the the at the beginning of the um, web page on the front front page of the web page there's a little video of sort of how it functions which is a great little video which was made a couple of years ago but is still more or less exactly how we function and that explains a little bit how it works which is really useful awesome so we'll link all of that in the show notes uh, if you're listening and if, if this project inspires you uh, come to the website and we'll figure out how to get you involved and uh, help with this vision so 
Julia, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you very much for having me. Cheers. You've been listening to The Problematic Podcast. To get involved and propose a project idea of your own, or to join in the discussion around one of the projects proposed during the show, visit problematic.app. That's problematic.app. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a rating and review on your favorite platform. Until next time, be the change.